Hello dear friends, it's Carly and welcome to another episode of the I Learned Podcast. So glad you're here for part three of this discussion on compassion inspired in large part by a YouTube video I took in and linked in the comments by Eckhart Tolle, I'm pretty positive I've been saying this guy's name wrong, and you know, I apologize, doing my best here. He gets it, I'm positive. Um, So Eckhart Tolle, and the video is called Conversations on Compassion, and it... (laughs) It's an hour and a half long, and that's why this is broken down into three pieces, because that hour and a half with him going through kind of a question and answer with a host type person, and then the last 15 minutes is him taking questions from the audience, and he gets through about five. And yeah, so it was densely packed with so much delicious dot connecting wisdom, and just like a couple weeks ago when I like spent my whole day uh, diving into and digesting human design and I said I gleefully sacrificed that time. I feel like this three-part series is a lot in that boat. It is, it's a pleasure to have, have this be something that I do for the fun of it because it is incredibly fun to get to listen to something that's so inspirational and uplifting and clarifying and such a joy to get to focus into and then to come in here and like really milk it for all it's worth by passing all of that back through my system and out my mouth. So yeah, I thank you for listening. I, if you haven't listened to parts one and two, that's okay. These videos videos, episodes all stand on their own. So if you, I loved what my friend Patty said, she said, you know, I, there's so many that I haven't listened to. So I usually just like do a quick scroll and be like that one right there. So I love that. I love the luck of the draw on it because each one is such a time capsule of whatever energy's in there. So I trust that Whichever one you're guided to in the moment, that's the one you're supposed to be listening to. And if you've listened to parts one and two, this is the continuation and the culmination of what he was building to in his video, his 90 minutes of discussion. Um, Okay, so he starts off with, actually, I want to start off with a moment of compassion for myself. Um, And I said in part two that that is really where practicing real compassion, like practicing your ability to cultivate and offer compassion begins between you and you. So if you can't offer yourself compassion, if you can't let yourself off the hook and give yourself the benefit of the doubt and understanding and love yourself anyway, even though maybe you did something that's not ideal or you made a mistake or whatever. If you can offer compassion to yourself, you can offer compassion to anyone and vice versa. If you can't offer compassion to yourself, you're not offering it to anybody else either. You know, how we treat ourselves is such a matter of how we treat others. And 
going back to the human design example a couple weeks ago, that nine hours was powerful. It was intense. It was a marathon, (laughs) seriously, a nine hour marathon of like soaking up new information and making episodes as I went. And it was so fun. And I woke up the next day, like my circuits were fried. My system was a mess. I had to like rest for two days to get back into my centeredness. Um, and so, yeah, if you look at those, hum- those first couple human design episodes, there's like a two day break afterwards because of that. And so, because I held awareness for that whole process, you know, the day I found it, that nine hours was so fun, but it cost me the next two days, you know, the fact that I just went for it, um, for those nine hours, instead of doing any kind of moderation or like really bringing awareness to my pace. I mean, my body was so like, it felt like I got hit by a truck. My excitement for such a long period of time without like pulling, like pulling myself back into a relaxed state, like my body was sore, (laughs) which is just weird. It's never even happened to me before. So as I healed then from overdoing it on the first day, I had to heal for two more days. And as I did, I had a lot of awareness about next time, you know, and here I am in my next time. I found this content that just feels so good that I am gleefully sacrificing this day to digest his content and generate this content on this episode. And it's very satisfying. I can't even say enough how satisfying it is to get to do it. And I also want to like come full circle with I also have that awareness of last time I overdid it. So this afternoon, and I think it's very fitting and timely that all of this is this conversation on compassion. And so I practiced offering compassion to myself. So while I did the first two episodes kind of all in one sitting, this is several hours later and I have, I did a half hour yoga video. I went outside with my dogs and like soaked up the sun and it's really windy outside today. And I, I, I just like closed my eyes facing the sun, which also happened to be facing the direction the wind was coming from. And I just envisioned all of my chakras, all of my energy centers that they were wide open and that this wind was just blowing through them, just clearing them all out, clearing my entire energy field out. And oh my goodness, that felt so good. Um, And I earthed while I was out there for probably a solid 15 minutes, Um, which I mean, the more you can do of like connecting your bare skin to the planet, uh, I'll link the, let me make a note of that. Um, I'll link the earthing documentary also. I've been meaning to mention it this whole time, but you know, better late than never. Check out the earthing documentary. That's like a whole nother thing. We'll, we'll do that in more detail at some point. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a couple hours since I did those last episodes. I took a second to kind of pull myself back into my body and a centered space and, Yeah, that was very nice and much needed. And I drank some water and just chilled, recentered. And 
now here we are. And I finished listening to his video. I listened to the last 35, 40 minutes. And I have a few concepts that like, seriously, down to the last seconds of his video, I'm like taking notes. So I have several more pages of notes. So I am going to gleefully go through these concepts that I just, so many beautiful concepts that they illuminate and they uplift. And I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. So the very first thing that starts off in this third part of the video, which I shared last time, I stopped part two around, well, I hit it 55-55 and I press pause. And so this third part is over 55-56 through the end of the video. So that's where I'm saying it started um, with him talking about repeatable events, like things that you're going to do multiple times in your life because maybe you have to do them instead of mindlessly doing them and they're a means to an end that you bring your full attention into that moment of doing that activity. So an example, washing your hands. Like, you know, at the grocery store, for example, you wash your hands a lot because you're dealing with food. And especially if you're working in the bakery or the meat department, you're washing your hands every little bit. And so it's something that you do all the time because it's a means to an end. You need clean hands for what you're doing before you put on your gloves or whatever. Um, so washing your hands, you spend, I don't know how much time you spend washing your hands throughout the day when you do it every little bit. Um, probably at least 30 minutes by the time you add it up throughout the whole day, you wash them 10 or 12 times. Like, yeah, okay. So that's a lot of time that typically it's like, okay, get this done so I can have clean hands and I can move on. And because I need the clean hands. And what he's saying is like with these repeatable events, treat it like a fully present moment. And he's like, if you bring your awareness into that present moment of washing your hands, it's a really enjoyable experience. There's the water on your hands and the soap and rubbing them back and forth and massaging your hands a little bit and just going really slow and enjoying the blissful feeling of indulging your senses in this way. There's maybe the smell of the soap. There's the sound of the water. It's a very peaceful enjoyable experience. And then you get to dry your hands and same, like do it with intention, do it with awareness and bring your total presence, your total awareness to this activity. And it's really enjoyable. It's very enjoyable. And now this is like kind of coming back to that practical side of how do you integrate your spiritual practice into your everyday life, into more and more moments, not just the 30 minutes that you're carving out to do your journaling or whatever. How do I bring this to my whole life? And this is it, these repeatable events where now you're present in 30 more minutes in your day and you didn't add any carved out special meditation time. That's something that you already needed to do. You already needed to spend that time washing your hands. And it's really like insert thing here. <laughs> you know, um, loading the dishwasher, like that just popped into my head. Like it's a little bit of a workout, like your body moves a lot. So instead of like, Oh God, get to get this thing loaded. Like go, 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 go. What if like, I'm really present to 
the way my body moves and when I turn to reach for another dish and I feel that side body stretch and I feel my spine twist and I go back this way and I synchronize with my breath, uh, reaching for another dish on an inhale and exhale, put it in the dishwasher. And you bring that awareness, that presence into every single moment you can think to bring it. And that actually has me jumping to the end of what he offered where Ooh, okay so this was at the very end of the video in the question and answer section and it was the yeah it was the very first question and the guy he went on a little bit um, I've summarized the questions just because I didn't want to write them all down but um but basically what he was wanting to know is like, he's very restless. He's very futuristic. He wants to make the world a better place and how, but he gets it that like, you know, okay, so I'm supposed to focus in the now I'm supposed to be present in the now and be aware to my now. So how do you create change and innovation and improvement by focusing in the now? And of course the answer is brilliant. Um, he goes back to Eckhart Tolle, goes back to what he said about, it's very important to have a direction. You know, that was a quote I shared in part one, part two. Um, I hope I can find it relatively easily because, okay, it's good to have some direction in your life, but while you are traveling, if your destination has most of your attention you're continuously focusing on the destination, you miss the journey. You can't enjoy the journey anymore. And most of your life is the journey. We talked about that. There's like 99.99999% of your life that's the journey. And there's like 0.0001% of your life that's the arrival, the, the wedding or the birth of your child or the business that you wanted to start or the concert you're looking forward to or whatever 99% of it is the journey to those things. And 1% of it is those things. So if we're going to enjoy ourselves in our lives, we have to learn how to enjoy the journey because that's 99% of our time and bringing our presence to these repeatable activities, these repeated things that we're spending our time doing already. And my thought when I was listening to this was like, this is really awesome because I've been practicing this with my walking. Um, not like my walking, like my exercise, my walking that I just, I mean, we walk all day, every day, like you go places all day, every day. And how often do you really like, just let your awareness be your body awareness while you're walking? Like, observe the fluidity of the motion and how little you're thinking about, okay, now move your right leg forward and now move your left leg forward. You're not doing that. Your body just does it. And just to observe the brilliance of your body moving itself from one place to another and the ease of it. And, oh, it's like intoxicating. And so like, Every time I get up to go to the bathroom, every time I get up to go to the coffee pot and come back, and every time I get up to go to the door and let the dogs and cats in and out 20,000 times a day, I had the thought a little bit earlier, like, I'm pretty sure part of my soul purpose 
is that I should have this work at home job. Yes, it serves me, but it also allows me to let them inside, outside, inside, outside, inside, outside. It's a game we play all day, every day. So it's part of my soul's work to create this experience for them as well. So it's very good, multifaceted that I'm home. Anywho, um, so as he answered, like, how do you create innovation and change while focusing in the now? He said, it's very important to have a direction, but in your now, how does your creation make you feel? And this one like just perfectly sums it up. It's not just what you do. It's more important how you do what you do. You know, you can invent life-saving medicine or, you know, whatever that you think is going to make the world the perfect place for everybody to live. Or, I mean, maybe you're a waitress at Waffle House and you're everybody's favorite because you are like this bright ray of sunshine because you love what you do and you put your full undivided attention into every single moment, every single customer, every single plate that you carry, every cup of coffee you top off. You feel the divinity in every moment of it and that shines out of this waitress. Like, I mean, we've all had waitresses like this and those people are sometimes changing the world for the better more than the person who is on the mission that this big important mission that they have to change the world, they have to do this. And then they stress themselves out in the pursuit of this big important mission that they feel they have to do. And in their pursuit of making the world a better place, they're stressed. So they put that stress and that harm on everybody else around them. And while they're trying to make the world a better place in the right now, right here moment, all that ever matters, they're making it a worse place for at least the people around them. And those ripple effects will continue to spread as the other people around them go off and live the rest of their lives. It doesn't matter what you do. What you do isn't important. How you do it, the presence that you bring to what you do is what matters. You can do anything, any any moment, you know. Just like we, I mean, this came up on a couple episodes ago, like you can rest, like, You can rest with presence of feeling how comfortable your head feels supported on the pillow and how your body is held by the bed and how the blanket on top of you feels like it's just creating the perfect temperature. And, you know, you got your leg pillow. That's my pillow that I stuck between my legs because I'm a side sleeper. I got wide hips. I need alignment. Yeah, long story. You can like really soak up like how good the alignment in your hips feels with this leg pillow in between my legs and just bring your awareness to this present moment of resting your physical self. Or you can put yourself in bed and you can say, this is what I didn't get done today. And I should have got those goddamn dishes out of the sink. And tomorrow I got to go see this person I don't even like. And oh my God, like, what about my dog? I got that bill I can't pay. And like, who's resting? Like, it doesn't matter what you do. It matters how you do it. I mean, if you put yourself in bed, that's what you do. But if your mind is running amok with all of these stressful, worrisome thoughts, That's obviously not creating the same outcome as if you put yourself in bed and bring presence to that moment and allow for spaciousness because you allow for spaciousness. You allow your thinking mind to quiet down for just a little while. 
you just slow it down and you just bring your awareness into your body and you just feel this present moment in every good feeling you can find in this present moment. And reach for that in those repeatable activities like when you wash your hands or when you get up and walk to the bathroom or, you know, when you drink your water. Don't just chug it down. <laughs> like, feel it in your mouth and feel your throat swallowing it and think about the miracle of your throat that lets you swallow water and it doesn't deposit it into your lungs. Like, how the hell does that even happen? Like, I'm not a, I'm not an anatomy guy, so I don't know. Like, I'm not aware of all of the miraculous pieces of our throat contraption that lets us swallow food into our stomach system and breathe air into our lung system. Like, whoa, whoa. How often when you're drinking your water is that what's going through your mind? So this, this idea of compassion, it just gets... It's so obvious, like throughout the whole thing, he talked about compassion only a little bit. Mostly what he talked about was presence because when you're present, when you're in that, you know, outer wider awareness and not caught in your thinking mind, you see and you feel your own aligned, your own aliveness. And when you feel your own aliveness, you can sense the aliveness in the other and in that instant, they are the same as you and compassion flows forth naturally. So it's not so much about practicing compassion. It's about practicing being in your own wider awareness so that you feel your aliveness so that when you come into contact with others, your aliveness can feel their aliveness. And then compassion is the only natural outcome to that combination. So I loved how simple that is, you know, and it really does like, just like all of these other teachers, it puts the control, the locus of control, the center of control, it puts it back into our court, you know, like, just like we said in the last one, like suffering lives in the thinking mind. And we are the ones who, like, we're the only ones who ever keep ourselves suffering. And while, you know, if you're suffering, let's say you have something that you're suffering over in this moment, that may be hard to hear. You know, it may be easier to jump to a place of guarding yourself against what I'm saying and say, you know, no, 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 no. Like that other person is doing that. Like you can't say they're not doing it. You can't say I'm not right. Like I'm right. They're doing that and that's wrong. And you know, the, the, it's like, nobody is saying it's right or wrong. That's not the point. The, the trying to figure it out, the trying to think it through and figure it out and fix it with your thoughts, like that is suffering. And when you zoom out, you realize that like the only, the only power that ever exists is the power that's inside of us. The power to make other people do things for us so we can feel better, that doesn't, it doesn't last. It's a temporary manifestation, a temporary high. And the only like sustainable or like self-generating source of power that will keep us consistently full exists inside of ourselves and cultivating this practice of awareness and openness and existing outside our thinking mind, using our thinking mind like the tool it can be and letting it work for us 
and not just getting sucked into it and staying there for the rest of our lives. And the thing is like the more time you spend outside the thinking mind, the easier it is to recognize when you're getting sucked into it. So the easier it is to kind of like let go and like go back into that wider awareness. So like all things practice makes it easier. And the last thing I'm going to share before I wrap this up, and again, I feel like I've, even with all the notes I took, like I really only put like half maybe into these episodes. So if you have at all enjoyed these concepts, I so recommend that you go and listen to his whole 90 minute video. Um, But the last thing that I'm going to share is another one of the questions that um, a girl asked him and Basically, her point was she can observe her thoughts. She can see that that's happening and she is aware that she is thinking. And there is that disidentification from her own thoughts. She's accomplished that. And now, as you observe your thoughts, how do you decide which thoughts to follow and which thoughts to discard or try to eliminate or like how do you tell like which ones are going to be the good ones and again love his answer um his he basically separated it down into like two types of thinking like one is like practical problem solving like where you have a tangible right now problem issue whatever that you have that you're working on and you you know, you're thinking and using your thinking to, um, solve the problem. Like even just, it doesn't even have to be a problem. Like what are we going to have for dinner? You know, that's a conversation Dolly and I have. So now we need to think, now we need to use our brains and brainstorm a little bit. Like what are our options and what could we have? And let's explore the territory of what's for dinner. And then after you've explored enough territory, you found an option you liked, bam, going for it. And now we've reached the end of that practical problem solving type thinking. So you think about it like you're thinking it serves you. It works for you on a lot of issues all day long. We use our thinking minds without even really realizing we're doing it. But think about like all the space in between those times that you have a real right now practical thing that you need to think your way through. Like how much time is that really And how much time do we like literally just keep ourselves busy looping through thoughts because we think we need to be productive. We think we need to be thinking all like just, it just keeps going. Plus there's that element of it of like what we talked about in part two, where the thinking brain is a survival instinct. It's meant to notice that there's danger in the environment. It's noticing what's in your environment and it's labeling what's in your environment. So it's commenting on your experience constantly and it's doing that to protect your safety. So you got to give it some love on a lot of levels, you know, like, thank you. Thank you for keeping an eye out for me. Thank you for consciously being aware of whether or not I'm in danger right now. I really appreciate that because I trust that my awareness is going to keep me safe. But at the same time, again, like how often are you in a moment of rest or a moment of in between, you know, think about like, here's a good example. You're driving and you're, I mean, like my drive to the store, it's like eight minutes long. Um, 
awesome, right? Eight minutes long. After living in the big city, that sounds like impossibly short because I also travel like three miles, three and a half miles in eight minutes. So yeah, that's fast. Um, anywho, but I'm driving and driving pretty much takes your full awareness and it's a lot like resting or putting yourself in the bed. Like you can put yourself behind the wheel and then what is the presence that you bring to it or lack of presence that you bring to it? Like, are you the whole time you get so many times I show up, I'm pulling into the parking lot. I'm like, wow, how did I get here? Because my brain wasn't even paying attention to the drive. I've done it so many times. Like my conscious mind was looping in other thoughts. And here's what I need to do when I get to the store. Here's what I did this morning that was fun. And, you know, a lot of times when I was going to work, like I tried to ward off thoughts, but they came through of like, here are all the things I wish I could have done at home today. If I didn't have to go to work, you know, that's obviously not helpful. Um, but instead of being present to my drive, I sometimes let my mind wander. And so that is another place for me. In addition to my walking where, you know, that drive to town is eight minutes and like, you can't really do anything while you're driving um, with any of your senses besides like maybe you're hearing. Like I play music, I play maybe a net, like a Netflix show if I'm going a long ways or like a YouTube video or something. But for the most part, like most of your senses need to be focused on what you're doing. And that doesn't mean that your mind has to be. So that's another repeatable activity that is an opportunity for us to bring total presence to see the way the sun is shining or the clouds look or, you know, the green of the grass on the side of the road or a bird flying in the distance or a whole flock of birds floating on the wind in front of you. Um, I don't, whatever, like notice what's happening and watch. Um, yeah. Like it doesn't matter what we do. It matters how we do it. And so most of our thoughts, going back to the question she asked, is like, how do you choose which thoughts to follow? And he says, well, there's this practical thinking. And so we've covered that. Like, it's a decision-making process, and we need our thoughts for that. But, like, when you're driving, you don't need your decision-making process. You're not making decisions, probably, unless you're going on some open-ended, meandering road trip. Um, if you have a set destination, your decisions are made. So you can turn off your thinking mind for right now and you can be present in the moment and appreciating what you're witnessing in your now moment and just present to that enjoyment of your own aliveness. And so he explained like those in-between times, let's call that random thought. When you're not focused on a specific problem or decision, you're in that open space in between of random thought and I mean, just like Abraham teaches, he wants to know, how does the thought make you feel? When you think that thought, how does it feel? And he basically said, like, if a thought doesn't feel good, then don't keep thinking it. And that instantly popped uh, a memory into my mind where when we were little, there was like, I think it was called like sirloin stockade or some kind of buffet in Topeka. And we would go there like uh, with my parents and my brothers and my grandparents and maybe other people like big groups. It was good for big groups. Like that way you didn't have to wait forever for your food. But anyway, so we went there a lot. And one of the first times um, we had gone there, I tried 
shrimp. It was fried shrimp. It was crunchy and it was freaking delicious. And oh my God, I ate like a whole plateful of shrimps and I threw up all night, all night and all next morning. And my stomach hurt. It ached. It was like cramping and I just threw up and dry heaved and I don't know what the hell. And okay, whatever, little time passes. Not much time though. And we go back to the buffet for the next time and I get a big bunch of shrimp because oh my God, they taste so good. And I puked all night and all the next day and my stomach hurt. It hurt so bad. And I puked and puked and dry heaved and dry heaved and couldn't keep anything down. And so I decided I'm not ever eating shrimp again. (laughs) I'm not, you can't make me, you couldn't pay me to eat shrimp. It's not going to happen because it doesn't feel good. And that was exactly his point is like, if something doesn't feel good, if it's giving you, if something is like worry or anxiety, which is either worry or fear. Um, if you're afraid of something, if you're worried about something, if you're beating up on yourself, if you're mad about something, all of those things don't feel good. Like when you check in with your body, it doesn't feel good. You know, like it may be a tiny bit more subtle than puking until you're dry heaving, but really not a whole lot more subtle, honestly. Like it, we carry that energy in our bodies, so it's easy to like, well, maybe not easy, but it's something that we can open our awareness to, to think a thought and check in in somewhat real time with like, how does that thought feel? And if it doesn't feel good, then work to eliminate it from your diet. You know, if you were eating something on a regular basis that was making you sick and you knew it, it would be a whole lot easier to eliminate it from your diet. Maybe sometimes you still have it on occasion. Maybe maybe sometimes a negative thought pops back into your mind. Like that happens, but it gets easier and easier and easier to recognize that that thought feels good and that thought doesn't. And to guide yourself like that, to allow that emotional guidance system to point you towards the thoughts that align with whatever you want to call it. Like he doesn't really get into inner being or spiritual stuff like that, like higher power, source, non-physical. He doesn't talk about any of that. He is literally talking about being present to your right now moment. And all of it, how you do that is again, based on following your emotional guidance system. And Abraham explains it in a much more spiritual way. So maybe if you're less spiritual, you like his version a little bit better. It's whatever works for you. That's why I love bringing together all of these awesome teachers. Um, he had a couple quotes, uh, around the egoic self. Um, the egoic self loves its unhappiness because it's familiar. And he also said the egoic self loves its enemies. And that one was a whole thing about tribal consciousness. And that is just going to have to be its own whole episode. (laughs) So maybe there's, you know, part four to this three part series. Um, but yeah, so that, that I think is, is a big, big bunch of information and so many yummy concepts to practice from the repeatable events that we face every day, no matter what, 
we're gonna wash our hands, we're gonna take a shower, we're gonna brush our teeth, we're gonna drive in our car, we're gonna we're gonna do these things. And instead of letting those things, those repeatable events be a means to an end, let them be moments of mini meditation, of practice bringing your full attention, your full presence into your activity, what you're doing, bring your full presence to what you're doing. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. So the more we're present, the more we're aware and awake and alive in every present moment that we can cultivate that in, the more we're lining up with the opportunities that allow us to connect with the others who have the answers we seek, who have the cooperative components, you know, like the more we line up with our own widest awareness, the more we're living from a place of what I, how I phrase it is what our soul came forward to do. Our soul had a mission and I believe like what he's talking about with this widest awareness, this space of consciousness, I think how I would interpret that is that's the inner being, that's your soul. So live from a place where your awareness is stretching out to the reaches of your soul, not just your conscious thinking mind, but your entire being, not just this body, but the larger part of you that goes back and connects with source and this entire universe. Let your awareness be as big as it possibly can be. And with that in mind, so... In part two, uh, if you listen to that, you heard me uh, go through meta meditation or a loving kindness meditation. I demonstrated it uh, pretty in depth, like we spent some time focusing into that. And it is the process of stretching your awareness, first uh, covering yourself in your awareness and sending yourself your own well-being, um, saying, I want myself to be happy and well. And then you expand to your home, then you expand to your neighborhood, then your city, then your state, then your country, then your continent, then your hemisphere. And it goes on and on and on until I worked it out to the, to the multiverse, which felt amazing. And it felt so good. Um, this is like such a treat and such a perfect cap to all of this. Um, practicing compassion is being present in the right now moment. And when I record is some of my most present time because my full attention is on translating this energy into what I'm speaking into this episode. So it is a delicious amount of presence. Um, and I, I work to invite that presence into the rest of my life, um, but I do find so much of it here. So in part two, when I was you know, going through all of the lovely notes that I had taken out of the middle chunk of that video, and I get to meta meditation and I was explaining it, and in my presence, in my soul level being, something just said like, slow down and like, close your eyes and just really talk through this and feel it. Like let the feeling of it guide the translation of it, the verbal translation of it. And you know, this isn't, this is an episode, this is a podcast episode, but like, let it be this little pocket of this like baby guided meditation thing. Um, 
you know, no formal introduction, no formal outro. It's just like explaining a concept, but all of a sudden I'm basically leading a guided meditation, which is something I have very little, but some practice with. And I got off making episode two and before I took my little break to go do my yoga and walk outside, I, I just like, I don't know what came over me. I closed out of Anchor where I record my podcast. I opened this smart recorder app that I have installed on my phone. I closed my eyes. I introduced myself and I said, this is a meta meditation, a meditation for loving kindness. And 20 minutes later, I had talked through this practice of expanding your consciousness out to the multiverse step by step by step by step. And oh my God, it felt so satisfying to spend my 20 minutes just feeling this loving kindness energy first encircling me and then my home, which means my animals. And then my neighborhood, which means the old people at the old folks home next door. And then my town, which is my whole little hometown here. Then my state of Kansas, then my country of the United States, then this continent of North America, then this Northern hemisphere, then this planet, then this universe, on and on and on. Oh my God, it was so delicious. So the next upload will be that guided meditation. So it is not a... It is not an episode. It is a guided meditation. So if you have the space within your within your now moment at any point that that sounds like a fun way to spend 20 minutes, um, that will be the next upload. I'm not going to count it as an episode, but it'll be the loving kindness meditation. So, you know, put on something comfy and go into a quiet space where you won't be interrupted and uh, maybe close your eyes, maybe not and see how it feels to go through that practice of stepping into your awareness and growing your awareness and being the space around your conscious ego, mind, mental chatter self. You are not your thoughts. You are the space around your thoughts. So this was my very first run at vocal like vocalizing, uh, voicing a guided meditation and I didn't write it. I just, it just came through me. Uh, it felt amazing. I definitely like, as I did it, you can hear in there, like the amount of energy that you take on every time you grow your awareness and encircle a bigger domain with your well-being and your light, um, you take on that extra energy of well-being and it is powerful. If you're, I hope you guys enjoy it. I really, I look forward to more of these guided meditations flowing through me. I definitely welcome that. Um, The one this afternoon was so easy peasy. It just came so naturally and it felt so good. So going back to the question of like, which thoughts do you follow? How do you know how to guide yourself? Now you're aware, but what do you do with that awareness? Well, you try to feel as good as you can feel and spending 20 minutes making that guided meditation out of nowhere, just like, I started the recording not knowing like what all I was going to say. And I mean, it really came together. I thought pretty good, you know, like there's a, there's a space at the beginning where we connect to our awareness that's bigger than our thoughts. And then there's a physical relaxation space. And then there's this guided expanding your consciousness, expanding your awareness. Um, So yeah, I, I'm really proud of it. And that sounds like so vulnerable 
to say. Um, but I mean, that's basically what we do here on this podcast is get vulnerable, get spiritually naked and face our fears and face the fear of success just as much as the fear of failure, you know, like being able to say, I'm proud of this before anybody's ever heard of it, heard it. And anybody has ever been able to tell me, oh, wow, yeah, that's really great. I felt it. I felt it flow through me. I created it. And I am here to say I'm proud of it. So, you know, am I going to get better at doing this? Obviously, the more I practice, the better I'll get. That's how practice works. It's a beautiful thing. Um, But am I proud to, like, have my first guided meditation recorded and in the books? Yeah, that's like brand new territory. And that's another thing we do on this podcast, celebrate new territory. Woohoo. So it's been a phenomenal day. It's been a soul fulfilling day. And there has been such presence in this day as I study presence and as I offer myself compassion of going at a pace that feels good for me in every moment offering myself the freedom and the flexibility to do what I feel like doing in the moment to serve my highest good and get comfortable and get situated in my life in a way that feels good for me. It's been a beautiful day working towards a beautiful awareness of who I truly am. I thank you for listening yet again, dear friends, you take such good care of yourselves and so will I.